good morning, everybody. It is uh, great to be together this morning. It's great to be back after a bit of time uh, away in God's uh, glorious creation. We're up in North Yorkshire. Yorkshire is, according to mostly Yorkshire people, God's own country. Uh, but it's, um, I, I put a post, Facebook post on saying, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that all of creation is God's own country and brings glory to him. But Yorkshire is a great example. It is the most stunning, beautiful spot. Uh, with the heather on the moors and God's uh, uh, big sky uh, stretching out. We've had a, a wonderful time, but it is good to be back because our source of joy is in the Lord. It is in his creation as we enjoy him, and we saw that in Psalm 8 and Psalm 19 last week as Emma was preaching. Um, uh, our depth of joy and forgiveness, rejoice, be glad and sing, is found here in the sun. This is where we're heading, rejoice. Do you see that last verse? Rejoice in the, glad, in, in the Lord, be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Uh, this is what God wants for our lives. He wants us to be joyful, glad, upright, and walking with him. Uh, even in 35 degree heat. Uh, I don't know if you saw that verse in the psalm. There's, I mean, different psalms, different verses resonate, don't they? But, but I'm sure we all resonated, didn't we, with the end of verse 4? Did you look and look down? If you haven't seen that, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Anyone feeling that strength, that sapping heat, sapping strength uh, going in recent uh, days? Well, uh, this wasn't because of heat that David felt that. Uh, it was because of a heart-wrenching agony of holding sin in his life, unconfessed. But by the time we get to the end of the psalm, as we see, uh, he is rejoicing and being glad and uh, singing for the Lord. And that's what God wants for us. To be not walking bowed down, weighed down. He doesn't want us to be held back by the, by the past, by things that... that he, he wants us to walk tall, to walk confident, to be upright with him, rejoicing and celebrating in his goodness, in his grace, in his freedom. And that's what this psalm is about. It's about freedom and the joyful freedom of being forgiven. That's what this psalm is largely about. It's about uh, that amazing gift of freedom uh, because we have an amazing gift of forgiveness in Christ. So let's pray. Let's pray that the, the heat of summer won't sap our strength so much that we can't concentrate on his word. Let's pray that the spirit would keep us alert uh, to his word that he's inspired. Father, we thank you uh, for your word, which is in our hearts. We thank you that you've gathered us together as your people. Uh, we thank you that all we've done, all we've heard, all we've sung, all we've prayed so far. But we pray now that your spirit would come afresh to open our hearts and minds, to keep us alert to your word, that you would speak into our lives deep and richly as we uh, seek after you, because uh, we want that joy and that gladness of true forgiveness. Lord, come by your spirit and speak, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's this psalm. It is primarily a, a joy-filled blessing of being forgiven. That is what this psalm is all about. It begins with this amazing statement. Just look down again, if you've got a Bible open, page 560, blessed, favoured, happy, living under God's blessing is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Blessed. Living under God's favour. That's what we need. That's what we want, isn't it? To live under God's favour. And it begins with that statement of blessing, but of course, 
if we're going to grasp the wonder of forgiveness, we're going to truly be forgiven, then we have got to grasp first the, the seriousness, the reality, the gravity of sin, that for which we need forgiveness. And of course, sin is not a popular word today in our culture. In fact, sin and guilt are concepts that have been you know, gradually sidelined over the last decades with the rise of what has become known as our, our therapeutic culture, shaped by Freud and others, where sin has been redefined as sickness. Uh, we need therapy and, rather than repentance. Uh, where guilt is something that's artificially arisen because of a fear of authority, uh, but if we remove the power of authorities, the, the parents or the church or God overall, of course, uh, the greatest authority, if we can remove them, then we can supposedly live guilt-free, peace-filled lives. I mean, that's been an enormously shaping of our worldview, of our culture. Uh, if, if sin is not real, of course, if we are fundamentally good as, as human beings, uh, then we have to affirm everything in, in others. Uh, we, we blame those things outside of ourselves for the problems that exist. Uh, we search for the hero inside ourselves. Uh, to, so when the problems go wrong, we, 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 it's somewhere out there, not, not with us. You know, it's meant to be a positive thing to sort of build the, the self-esteem of, of our youngsters, of our nation. But in reality, it's, just, it's caused confusion. It's called a crisis of identity for so many, an epidemic of mental health, uh, particularly amongst our young people. And in contrast, you know, the Bible gives us a realistic view of our human nature, of who we are as human beings. Uh, it teaches us to see the amazing people that God has made us. Oh. We, the amazing people that God has made us, made in God's image. We saw that in Psalm 8, crowned with glory and honour, people of dignity and worth and value. You look at the person next to you and say, you are amazing, because you are, you're made in God's image. Uh, we see that, and it's wonderful. Uh, but that's not the whole story, if you've read the Bible. If you've read the Bible, you can look at the person next to you and say, you are tragically, deeply flawed. That image of God in you has been marred and twisted by sin in your very core. We've turned from God, we're fallen and sinful, uh, in need of forgiveness. That is our true identity as human beings. You know, we are complicated. We're a synthesis of, of beauty and ugliness, of, of, of good and evil, of potential for greatness and for depravity. I think it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, the writer, who said, you know, the, the line of good and evil doesn't run through nations or through states or through politics, it runs through the human heart. Because that's what we are. Uh, Beautifully made in God's image, flawed to the very core. And so uh, the Bible reminds us that we need forgiveness. And for true well-being, for true joy, for true and deep uh, joy, we, we need to know the joy of forgiveness, not just to say, it's okay, you're okay. Because we're not okay. And so while the world has tried to remove the concepts of sin and guilt, the Bible doesn't do it. It teaches us, it tells us what sin and guilt means. And in this psalm, there's three different Hebrew words for, uh, uh, for, to help us understand what sin is. Now, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew words because I don't really know what they are. Um, but they're, they're translated often in, in three different ways. They're translated uh, transgression, sin, or iniquity. But the NIV misses out the iniquity. But it's, uh, so, so transgression means to, to cross a line. It means to break a law. It means to, have, uh, to say, I know what God's will is, but I'm going to do it anyway because I, I, I'm just rebellious. 
That's what transgression means. The idea of sin is to fall short of a target. It's when an arrow misses the bullseye, maybe misses the target altogether. So God has made us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. He's made us to love our neighbour as ourselves, but we constantly miss the target. We fail to love him and love others. And the other word is, is this iniquity uh, word. It means it's, it's, it's the idea of being twisted or distorted, not as it was intended to be. Uh, you know, the inner moral distortions of the human nature it seems to love darkness rather than light. It's curved inward on ourselves, as the reformers used to say. It's the Bible's diagnosis of our human condition. It's not a pretty picture. Morally corrupt, failing to live out God's design for our lives, rebels against our creator. And we face, therefore, the just judgment of a holy God. And until we've grasped the reality of sin, until we've grasped the the, the seriousness of, of, of sin, what David says here in this psalm, which is meant to lead to joy, is kind of just... Meaningless, really. You know, Christianity is, is not good news, it's just, it's just news. Uh, I remember seeing once uh, some graffiti, uh, there was a, a poster which read, you know, Jesus is the solution. And someone had scrawled underneath, yes, but what's the problem? Because you see, if you don't know the problem, if you don't understand the problem, well, well Jesus is just Jesus. But it's in this psalm that we see the seriousness of sin and then we can grasp hold of the glorious good news of the gospel. The gospel of forgiveness. That joy-filled blessing of being forgiven. Because wonderfully in this psalm, just as there's three different words to describe sin, there's three different Hebrew words to describe forgiveness and, uh, and what it means in, uh, in, in Hebrew. Again, forget the Hebrew, but here are the three meanings of the, uh, the, the words. Um, the first is is that of being something being lifted off and taken away. It was actually, the, the word was used of an armour bearer who would carry somebody else's armour or weapon. Uh, it was also used in the, in the Old Testament as the idea of the scapegoat. Do you remember that in the law where, where the, the high priest would confess the sins of Israel? They'd get a goat and they'd confess the sins of Israel on the head of the goat and then they'd take the goat and they'd, it would carry it away into the wilderness. It would go off into the, into the wilderness. Uh, that was the picture of sins being taken away, carried off. Uh, the second picture is, is that of covering, uh, to conceal, to, to hide, to cover something over so that it'll never be seen again. Different to the hiding that David does of his sin and by not admitting it, but this is a, a, a covering forever. Covering that'll never be seen again because it's covered by God. And then the third is this idea of not being imputed. That is, God doesn't count your sins against you. Uh, it'd be like having a bank account uh, where you keep making uh, withdrawals, you keep spending money, but when you look at your account, there's, there's no withdrawals, the, the column is empty, there's no expenditure because God is not counting those uh, expenses against you. Uh, that's what sin is. We, 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 we sin, it, it causes us debt with God before God and, and God in, uh, doesn't count that against us. It's a picture of forgiveness, these three different pictures. The good news of forgiveness. Though our sin is real and ugly with serious consequences, our sin can be, can be picked up and, and taken away. Our sin can be covered over, never to be seen again. Our sin can be uh, 
and never counted against us. No wonder David says, as he grasps these wonderful truths, you're blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. And so the question is, of course, uh, you know, it's a bit technical, all this stuff. What, what did David have to do to receive this forgiveness? Did he have to go to the temple to sacrifice an offering to the law? Did he have to work harder at obeying the law? Well, how did he get forgiven? Did he have to make sure he read his Bible every day uh, in the mornings and, and possibly in the evenings too? Uh, did he have to go to the temple twice on a Saturday or, or just, just try keeping being a bit, bit harder? Well, we don't have to guess because he's got this wonderful testimony of David. He doesn't just make the statement in verses 1 and 2. He tells us what's gone on. And so verse 3, he says, Look, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. You know, it's quite likely this experience went on for about a year. Linda gave me some very good news when I arrived this morning when she was here at the desk. She said, I think the, the heat wave is breaking tomorrow. Thanks, Linda. This is our last day, so, we, so we're looking forward to that sort of release tomorrow. Better happen. Uh, no, it, it, but th- this has gone for a year, and it wasn't the heat of summer. Uh, you might know the terrible events recorded in 2 Samuel 11, where, where David, as king of Israel, commits adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, to cover up what he's done, he uh, arranges for the death of her husband in battle. And then he spends almost a year covering it up, not telling anybody. No one else knows about it. He, he thinks maybe he's got away with it. It, 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 it. It's a whole year until Nathan the prophet, you might have read it to Samuel 12, comes to confront him. And he tells him a parable and David is convicted to his heart and, uh, and he breaks down and he confesses, he prays. And if you've read Psalm 51, well, that is his prayer of confession when that happens. This, I think, is a bit afterwards and he's reflecting on that event. But you know, for a whole year... Uh, it seems he, he's remained silent, trying to cover it up. Wondering if he's, he's got away with it. Uh, he, but he can't shake it. This agony of conscience. This anguish of remorse. This deceitfulness within him has eaten away at, at, at him with, with physical effects. I mean, this is a classic case, isn't it, of psychosomatic illness. This drained strength. God's hand is heavy upon him, pressing down as a heavy weight on him. He feels it in his bones. His vitality is drained away. There's depression, there's pain, there's weariness, and it's constant day and night. He says he's under this pressure. I don't know if that's ever been your experience. Maybe even now, for Someone here, you've done something, you've said something, you've hurt someone, you've disobeyed God in a, in a way, and you know it's wrong. And you might be thinking, well, it'll pass, it'll pass with time, it'll probably pass, it'll, if I just wait on long enough, but, but you hold on to it. Or rather, it holds on to you. This sense of guilt weighing heavily. And that's David's experience, isn't it, verse is three and four, until we read verse five. Then, then I acknowledged my sin to you, to God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of 
my sin. Hallelujah. There's no work, no special penance, no going to the, uh, the, the, the temple, or the temple didn't exist, no going to the, to the tabernacle. He, he simply confesses and his sin is lifted off and carried away. His sin is buried deep in the deepest ocean that will never be found again. His sin is not counted against him. What wonderful release, relief, freedom for, for David in that moment as those, that sin that has weighed him down for, for, the, for that, those 12 months is lifted. No wonder it leads to the end of the psalm, rejoice, be glad, sing. Because David's received this joyful blessing of being forgiven. And I guess we, we ask, because it's natural to ask, because you know, is it really that simple? Can it be really that simple? To just confess your sins, nothing to do to make up for what you've done, nothing to do to get back into God's good, but nothing to put yourself right with God. Is it that simple? Just to believe and, and trust in, in the forgiving love of God found in Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes. It is that simple. God's heart is full of love for those who have turned away and, and he calls us back through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Apostle Paul quotes Psalm 32 in, in Romans chapter 4. If you know your Bible, you know Romans chapter 4. In that chapter he's showing that Abraham uh, is right with God simply by faith. So Jewish people were saying, well, Abraham, he's our father, and he had to get circumcised and keep the law, and that made him right with God. And Paul says, no, no, it was before he got circumcised. He, he just believed, and, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He, he was forgiven and, and made right with God. And then he says, and David knew the same thing. And he quotes uh, from Psalm 32. He just believed, and he trusted in God's forgiveness. His promise. And you know, Romans 4 surprisingly follows Romans 3. And if you know Romans chapter 3, you will know uh, how Paul picks up some of this. He says, look, there's no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of glory of God. No one can be right with God by, by themselves. But now, he says, a righteousness from God has been revealed apart from the law, apart from having to do anything, uh, and that righteousness is Jesus. And Jesus has come in uh, to the world, and he's come as a representative, a human being, fully human. And he's gone to the cross where he's become our substitute. He's taken our sin, uh, our shame, uh, our guilt, everything that we have done that, uh, to offend God, uh, that, uh, that twistedness, that disobedience, uh, that... Uh, uh, the, the ways we've missed the mark. Uh, Jesus takes it all uh, on the cross. He carries it for us. And now uh, God says, just come to him. Just come to him for your sins to be taken away. All who would come to Jesus to, to confess their sins, to acknowledge him and trust him, uh, their sins are lifted up and taken away by Jesus. Their sins are covered over, never to be seen again by the blood of Jesus. Their sins won't be counted against them because they've been counted against Jesus. All we've got to do is acknowledge 
our sins and confess them, our need of forgiveness, and come to the Lord and put our trust in him. I love that promise. We, we had it read just before confession. We often do, or before or afterwards. Uh, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. You know, if we say we have no sins, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a wonderful promise. A wonderful promise. I love the second verse to, of to God be the glory. Uh, you may remember it. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. That was, that was David's testimony. That moment, as he, as he said, I'm going to confess my, I've hidden it, I've held it onto it, I'm going to confess my sins. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. And it was his song, it led him to rejoicing and to gladness. And it led to an urgent exhortation. If you look on in Psalm 32, uh, verse 6, he says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. You know, David wants all God's people to enjoy this freedom, this forgiveness that, that he has found. He wants to know this. He wants everyone to, to enjoy this, this, this wonderful blessing of forgiveness. And in that place of forgiveness, reconciled with God, there's complete security and safety. David carries on. Surely the rising of the mighty waters won't reach them. You, Lord, are my hiding place. You'll protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Wonderful picture. God, when, you're, when you know that sense of forgiveness, you know God's surrounding you. I don't know whether it's his singing, the songs of deliverance, or whether it's the angels of heaven, because we know when one sinner repents, the angels have a party, uh, or whether it's the people of God who are rejoicing and, and surrounding him uh, with songs of deliverance. Probably all of them. This is why it's great to be singing together at songs of deliverance. So here's, a, here's, a, here's the question, or here's a question. Have you confessed your sins? I mean, we, we had our confession earlier, so, so uh, that, and, and that's important, that general confession that we say together, but, but do you confess your sins regularly before the Lord? Do you acknowledge your sins and bring them to the foot of the cross? It may be that there is something big like David that you are holding on to or it's holding on to you. Something unresolved, a burden from the past. Something you've done, something you've said, something you deeply regret. You can't change the consequences and it's holding you down. And I want to say God doesn't want it to drag you down. He doesn't want it to eat away at you. He wants you to bring it to the cross and find forgiveness. It, it may be that there, there isn't a big thing Maybe that's for many, most of us. And yet we're always messing up. We're always getting it wrong. We're always walking away from God. And we're in need of forgiveness. There's maybe habits we've fallen into. Maybe the sins of omission. There's things we, we don't do that we're designed to do. You know, a failure to love, a failure to pray, a failure to, to give. Or maybe the sins of commission, the things that we do, words, thoughts acts that harm others or maybe ourselves too pride gossip sexual sin maybe 
Now, pornography is a huge problem in our society. Uh, anger, uh, laziness. Question, will you acknowledge it and bring your sins to the foot of the cross? You know, I don't think that, that kind of constant morbid introspection is, is helpful. But I do think that self-examination is important. Spending a bit of time asking the Spirit to show you where you need forgiveness, to show you your sins. That's one of the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction of sin so that he points us to Jesus. And maybe for some, writing these things down can be helpful. You know, sometimes we often encourage people to write down a sort of list of blessings and thankfulness, and that's a really good exercise. But it may be good, too, to, to take a pen and paper and just have half an hour or so and pray and ask the Spirit to show you where you need forgiveness. And maybe write those things down and then take that list in yourself to the foot of the cross. Bring them to Jesus because he's carried all those things in his body on the tree. And then you could tear that bit of paper up and throw it away or, or put, burn it and, and it'll be gone forever. Because that's what's true of your sins. They have gone forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you thank Jesus with a humble but confident trust that you're entirely, completely and totally forgiven. So that you can rejoice and be glad and sing. Do you know, that, that could be a, an entirely private matter and it is always primarily between you and God sin I mean it often enables you as we know the liberation of, of being forgiven enable us to to forgive others to, to be able to move on in different areas of our lives but just knowing that forgiveness uh, is primarily between you and God but the Bible does say also confess your sins to one another and therefore there's, there's an importance of Sometimes sharing and praying with somebody else. Hearing those promise of forgiveness from somebody else's lips. Maybe it would be helpful to you, for you to, to hear that from an ordained minister. Uh, I hope you know that you can contact myself or Neil or Emmanuel any time. We'd be happy to come here into the church if you wanted to spend time just listening and then praying. God doesn't want us bowed down. He doesn't want us carrying burdens of sin and guilt. He wants us to know the joy-filled blessing of being forgiven. That was David's personal testimony. It can be ours too. Uh, I love the, the way another old hymn, Charles Wesley, puts it like this, doesn't he? And we sung these many times, these words. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. What a wonderful verse of a hymn, one of the greatest, isn't it? You've probably sung those words. I don't know if you've experienced that joy-filled blessing of being forgiven. Uh, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed my prayer is that you would know that, that joy-filled forgiveness, that freedom to walk upright and tall and confident in the very presence of God, to walk with him 
And that's what the rest of this psalm is about. I mean, we haven't really got time to, to, to go into the, the, the walking with God, but he, he wants us to walk with him as he gently, lovingly, with his eye on us, uh, encourages us to walk with him, not to be like sort of brute beasts that have to be cajoled and, 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 and moved around. He wants us to walk with him in that joy of fellowship because we know the joy of forgiveness. Well, we're going to just have a few moments now as Emma and, and the band come up just to have a chance to to pray, uh, to confess our sins, to to bring to God whatever is in your heart. Uh, I'm just going to play quietly in the background. Maybe you just want to close your eyes. And maybe you want to put your hands out, just as a sign of offering to God your sin, of wanting to receive from the Spirit. Well, maybe you're not totally sure what it is that you you need. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come and bring conviction. If that's what you need, to show you what you need to bring to Jesus. Let God put his finger on that thing, those things, those ways in which you've failed to live for him, those things where you know you've been disobedient. to the cross and just ask that the Spirit would show you Jesus more fully the beauty of his face his love for you his willingness to lift those sins off you and carry them away if you would just turn fully in your heart to, to Jesus
Father, we thank you that you're a God who set your love upon us in Jesus. Lord, your heart is broken as we've turned our back on you, as we've walked away, as we live lives of, of disobedience at times, as we get twisted up in our natures, as we fail to live up to what you would want for our lives. Lord, we thank you that though you breaks your heart and you're angry with that you've not stopped loving your world and you've sent Jesus that we might be able to know the freedom of forgiveness that weight lifted Holy Spirit I pray that you would come and bring that release, bring that freedom bring that assurance of forgiveness, we thank you for your word Lord that promises us that if we come with humble, trusting faith that you will take that sin and bury it in the deepest sea. It'll be gone forever. Because Lord, we know that you want us to walk with you, uh, not bowed down, not burdened. We want, you want to walk, us to walk with you with a humble confidence and a freedom and a joy and a gladness, a song in our heart. So Lord, we thank you that you carry our sins and you carry our sufferings and we want to give them to you today so we can walk out of here released and free to live for you to walk in your ways to follow your gentle guidance oh Lord do that work we pray do that work in us for Lord we ask these things in Jesus name Amen